0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know every week I refer to these Monday shows as the reverse chronological lightning round Monday episode, but this week. We actually do need to truly go lightning round. Games start at 9 a.m. Pacific time. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's a great day for NBA. We got games starting at 9 in the morning and running all day long. But, of course, that means a couple of things. Number one, I want to get this podcast out early as a reminder to as many of you as humanly possible to set your lineups. It's incredible. I think there's 10 games coming up here on Monday. 9 a.m. Magic Knicks. That's what gets everything started. So if you have any Magic or you have any Knicks, you got to make sure you you drop them in there or you're going to miss it. A lot of people will, and if you're in a weekly league, you could really screw yourself if you don't set your lineups first thing in the morning or preferably the night before. It catches people off guard a little bit. Every year, it's that same thing. This one, I think... Probably harder than usual because it's so early in the season. Normally, you're kind of in the grind, and you're kind of—at least for me—I actually look forward to this giant MLK Day slate. Most seasons, I'm sort of marking down the calendar, like, okay, there it's coming. It's you know, it's week ten or whatever it is, or eleven or twelve or something. I'm just champing at the bit to get to that day because this is this, this is such a special day for so many reasons, but. One very simple one is that I can have basketball on in the background with with everything else that I do all day. This year, you're still kind of catching your breath from the start of the season, and it's already on us. So set your lineups. Before you even listen to the podcast, set your lineups. Pause, come on back, then listen to the rest of the show. Okay, did you do it? Good morning. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Thank you to everyone that continues to populate our weekend shows these days. Those have been very well-trafficked pods. And I don't know if it's for a couple of reasons. You know, the the feedback on the format has been really nice. It seems like everybody uh, really enjoys the pickups, the drops, the sells, the buys, the watch list, all that good stuff. It sort of hits on all the buzzy fantasy things. But I also wonder if some of the reason that more people get a chance to listen to the Friday show is that... There's a couple of days between it and the next one where some folks have kind of an opportunity to play catch-up. For all the analytics that we have on podcasts, I have no idea how many unique listeners we have over the course of a year. I can see who listens to each episode or how many people listen to each episode, but I don't have a clue Like if it is the same people listening on Monday and Thursday. Is the same exact people every day? I doubt it. So Fridays are kind of fun. Anyway, it's a Monday. It's Reverse Chronological Lightning Round. You are also getting the benefit of an ad-free episode, unless our our, uh, podcast provider, sometimes they drop stuff in in the middle of the show. But I will not be doing any live reads on today's podcast. The only things I'll mention that are promo-related are free stuff, such as, A, please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. uh, Excuse me. Please follow our website's Twitter feed, the news feed, at Bespris. Hoop Ball Fantasy. It seems like a lot of you guys have been taking my recommendation on that uh, because Hoop Ball Fantasy Twitter jumped like 200 follows over the weekend, and I think mostly that's you guys. So keep doing that. That's where you can get all your fantasy news. If you need to walk away from your computer, you can set an alert on that bad boy. Whatever you got to do, it's such a wonderful place to be able to kind of scroll back through and make sure you didn't miss anything breaking that could change the complexion of your league. So follow Hoop Ball Fantasy. Follow me. Again, that's at Dan Bespris or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. We are also continuing to recruit. Last week I put out the recruiting pitch for blurb shift opportunities, and a lot of you wrote in. The week before I talked about our DFS division, and that's now filled to the brim. And so this week I will put out one additional recruiting pitch, and that is for something that we've been sort of working on quietly in the background, and it's the HoopBall sales team this one is a little bit more niche than the other two spots because many of you, you know, the vast majority of you that listen to this podcast, most of you have an idea what a blurb is, having heard me talk about it. From for the sales side, I'm guessing very few of you are actually sort of into that stuff. But what I'll tell you right now is, number one, it is one of the few things that we can offer where there is significant financial upside. Uh, number two, you need to have a lot of Pacific Time call hours free so this would be a spot that would best fit someone who either is uh, far from pacific time zone so your work doesn't conflict with pacific time or someone who maybe works a night shift something like that if you're you know working part-time you know from mid-afternoon to late evening or something like that and you've got all the morning and early afternoon empty so again this might not be any of you I don't know. Maybe there's one of you out there listening to this podcast that this makes sense for. But if you want to be part of our sales team, please do send me a Twitter message to at Dan Bespris. Just let me know. Say, hey, Dan, interested in the hoop ball sales stuff uh, or email team hoop at hoop dash ball dot com with the subject line interested in a sales position. And we can talk a little bit more at that point. Again, this might not end up being any of you. But it is something we've been sort of quietly building in the background, and so I thought I'd throw that opportunity out there to you guys, our loyal listeners. Okay, for real. Now, lightning round style. We're going to start on Sunday. We'll work our way backwards through the weekend. All 30 teams' most recent ball games. That's actually not true because a couple of teams are still in full COVID lockdown. Uh, Although Boston did come back, so that's one. And I think Washington's supposed to be back here today on Monday. And Phoenix is back. So I think we might be at full tilt again. I think we got all 30 teams playing again as of today. So, um big news here on this Monday, the week-long quarantine for those teams that had Wizards related exposures are up. We now know who is and is not available to play, and apparently all those teams have enough players to go. So anyway, we'll go we'll work backwards through the weekend. We will obviously miss a couple of teams, but I think it'll be about 28 of the 30 we cover their most recent ball games, reset ourselves for the week ahead. And then we'll break down the MLK Day card. My goal, folks, is to have this done in 30 minutes. So I want this to be about a 37-minute podcast today so you guys have an opportunity to listen to most of it at least before the Knicks game starts and, you know, hopefully the rest of it before the uh, the rest of your day settles in. Sunday morning, the Knicks went into the... What does they call that joint now? Is it TD Garden? Doesn't matter. Smoked them. Boston Celtics were... Um, I'd say they were hungover, but you can't do anything on a Saturday night anymore. So they just weren't awake. Forgot to set the alarm. Whatever dumb metaphor you want to do here. Uh, Julius Randle was great. Mitchell Robinson got hurt a couple of times in this game. Hurt his foot, fell on his side, banged his shoulder. Somehow managed to stick around for most of it. They took him out. He didn't play a ton in the second half. But he did play from the 9.30 mark to about the 4.30 mark of the fourth quarter. This game was a massive blowout at that point. So I think even Tibbs was just like, I don't need to run this dude 29 minutes today. And he pulled him. He looked fine. He looked much better in the second half after sort of wobbling a bit in the first half. Nerlens Noel saw bonus minutes because of garbage time. He's actually had a couple decent ball games in a row. And I would say start to keep one eye on Nerlens Noel if indeed he's kind of playing himself into shape a little bit. We've seen a lot of these guys that just... Kind of weren't ready to start the season. Oh, it feels good to say Alfred Payton is a drop. Yay! Drop him like a bad habit. Clunky-ass fantasy game trying to convince me to keep you around just because you were a starting point guard. He's getting outplayed right now by Emmanuel Quickly, who saw extra minutes because of garbage time, but was just great. 17 points, 8 assists, a steal, a block, 2, 3-pointers. Here's the thing about Quickly— and I know we're trying to move at that exact pace in this podcast, but I, I do think the Knicks require a, a brief pause here. At least in terms of teams to talk about, they're one of the more interesting ones right now. Alec Burks will be back soon. He'll render guys like Reggie Bullock and Austin Rivers pretty much useless at that point. Uh, Obi Toppin had a good line, but he only played 17 minutes, so I wouldn't pay much attention to that. The The center position remains one that we want to keep an eye on because we know Nerlens Noel can do it in 18 or 19 minutes of ballgame. And the point guard position because Alfred Payton is not good. He makes the team better than the other options they had before quickly came around, meaning Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nilakina. These guys weren't running an offense. Payton came in, runs an offense, sort of calmly gets the ball in the right places misses a bunch of shots and free throws usually and and you go on from there from a fantasy standpoint he's a disaster his his percentages his turnovers his lack of threes his lack of defensive stats this year which has been super weird and decreased assists because the offense is heavily running through randall this game they moved the ball pretty well a lot of guys had a handful of assists but emmanuel quickly with 17 and 8 only 21 minutes off the bench he's had two or three pretty good games here the problem, of course, is the timeshare element, and until either one of those guys separates themselves, they're just going to be chewing off of the other's ability. Quickly, as a stash right now who's playing well enough to be used in unlimited games formats, I just, I'm, I'm, and the Knicks go first thing here on this Monday morning, I'm, I'm relatively certain that by the time you pick him up and drop him into your lineup, he's going to sort of barf up a clunker. But he looks pretty good, and watching him play, he's fun. He's fast. He has a floater game. He can actually shoot the three ball. He can make his free throws. I'm talking to you, Alfred. So I'm, I'm good with adding him as kind of a, a stash towards the future, but if you need someone that you can reliably start every night that's going to play more than 21 minutes or 22 minutes or whatever he's looking at here, then he's going it's going to disappoint once, once the dust settles because here was a good shooting night, a super high assist game, it wasn't nighttime, that was a daytime game, but you guys catch my meaning. So understand, set your expectations properly there, but he is currently now outplaying Alfred Payton, and hopefully the scales tip in his favor. On the Boston side, Jalen Brown's the only one that survived that 75-point carnage. He had 25 points, actually became, uh, I think, the 10th highest scorer at the Garden in its modern history. And everybody else was terrible, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Daniel Tice, by the way, is a drop. I know this was a blowout, but he's not getting the minutes that he would need to get over that hump, meaning he needs like 26, 27 minutes, and he's not there yet. Keep an eye on it if he ever separates himself, but this is without Robert Williams in the mix either. So when he gets back from presumably having COVID because everybody else is coming back except for Williams and Tatum... I think you can draw your your own conclusions there, but I've drawn mine. So when he gets back, he's going to see his 15, 16 minutes, maybe not right out of the shoot if his conditioning is cooked from having COVID. Uh, but there's just, if Tice can't get enough minutes with only Tristan Thompson around as the other center, it ain't getting any better. Chicago beat Dallas on the road. This is a prime letdown spot for the Mavs after their marquee matchup with the Bucks. And it went great for Luka Doncic and didn't go all that great for the rest of the crew. Kristaps uh, Porzingis was actually fine, and uh, THJ Timothy, Ard- or, uh, Timothy Tim Hardaway Jr. was out for this ball game, and and honestly, that ended up hurting the Mavs. That was a he's a guy they've been relying upon as the third scoring option, and they legitimately didn't have one. And as this game went on, Luka and and KP just got more and more worn down, and you can't tell from Luka's full game line, but he was at like 31. And I think he was a triple double at halftime. So he just added a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, and like four points in the second half. So he totally ran out of gas. He needs help, man. And this team needs to get their guys back. They had four positive COVID tests, so that's why they're out for so long. Dallas got nailed with it, and somehow they've still had enough guys to make it through. I mean, this is the darndest thing, you know. I I'd like to say kudos for somehow keeping the rest of these guys from getting COVID, but how the hell did the first four get it? On the Chicago side, Garrett Temple got blindingly hot in this game. Played 29 minutes off the bench, had 21 points, and took 15 shots. Congratulations, Garrett Temple. You have maxed out your usage for a ballgame. Zach Levine, 10 points, 10 assists. That's all they needed. Kobe White didn't score. He's really more of a points league option than anything else. Otto Porter was pretty good in his 24 minutes of action. 14 points, 9 boards, a couple of assists, and a steal. He is playing his way into the Patrick Williams minutes. And if Garrett Temple wasn't white hot, I think Porter probably sees another four or five. He is probably startable in his next ball game coming back from this his back issue. Uh, you could wait one more if you really wanted to, though. And no, you're not picking up Garrett Temple. This is an unsustainable game for him. But other good news on the Chicago side, Larry Markin looked great. Wendell Carter Jr. had five steals, so he looked pretty good in this ballgame, which was a step up for him. He's had a, a rough goal of it so far. And uh, my my former favorite, Thad Young, still carved out a role in only 19 minutes, but no, you're not picking him up either. Utah beat Denver playoff revenge. This was a nice betting win for yours truly. That was a fun one. Jordan Clarkson got them up and over the hump thanks to 51% shooting for the Jazz, because if they could just make a damn free throw, this wouldn't have been such a problem. This is a weird game. Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich, 80-plus percent foul shooters, went 0-for-6 at the free throw line in this ballgame. But the good news there is that Boyan's getting better, and he'll normally make those two free throws, and if he does in this ballgame, it's a 19.5 three-pointer outing, and he's starting to come around. He's played himself into shape. I like Royce O'Neal. He's turned himself into the new era Shane Battier. And he's kind of a Marvin Thad guy. Get him over the 30-minute threshold, and he's doing enough in threes, rebounds, assists, and steals to where it doesn't matter that he doesn't score at all. Jordan Clarkson having a really good year. I think uh, I think Brew was pretty high on him, actually. Plotting along. He's doing better than plotting along right now. I don't know if anybody had him this high. Denver side. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., I think, is back later this week. This was a two-man show, and... Uh, Jamal Murray ran out of gas. Jokic hasn't... By the way, I don't know if you guys have watched live Jokic this year, if you've just been looking at box scores and thinking, damn, but you should watch him. He's thinner than he's ever been. If you want to know why he's playing so well to start this season, it's because he didn't... He's one of the few guys in the NBA that actually stayed trim during the short offseason, It worked in his favor. And he's the number one guy in fantasy right now, and it's honestly not all that close. Wasn't enough in this one, though, because they didn't get any help. Will Barton was terrible. Gary Harris was back to being not good. Uh, Paul Millsap was bad. Jamichael Green was bad. Even Jamal Murray, who had 30 points... He was hot early and ended up taking him 27 shots to get there. So it was kind of Jokic against the world in the second half, and the world was victorious. No fantasy changes, though. Pelicans beat the Kings. New Orleans came into this one. They said morale was low. Josh Hart tweeted that, I believe. Well, morale will be a little bit better here. They put up a buck 28 on the worst defense in the NBA, led by Zion, who had 31 on 15 shots. Made all five of his free throws. So throw up a prayer on that one. Eric Bledsoe back and playing well. Uh, Stephen Adams, 12 and 15, Brandon Ingram had 22, Josh Hart. Uh, I mean, I talked about he and JJ Redick. They're basically drops at this point. If they can't get it done with no Lonzo, then it's just not going to happen. Sacramento side actually had something interesting happen. And that was Marvin Bagley playing big minutes, probably because new Orleans is a big team. But it was still good to see, and I've been holding on to him with this fleeting hope that he could get up and over the 25-minute threshold and actually start to do some stuff. And this is a great line, 26 points, 10 boards, 2 threes, a steal, a block, good percentages. Folks, he has a long way to go. Bagley was sitting outside the top 250 before this ballgame, and I don't think he got a whole lot earlier from it. Hasn't been logged in on most of the uh, whatever you call them. Uh, b- 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 ranking sites because we're recording this late on Sunday night but once it's done he probably sits in that 215 range so he's got a long way to go but if this is any kind of sign does he play a little bit more Tyrese Halliburton was the one who actually lost out on minutes in this ball game as Luke Walden went to a very short rotation and almost waged a comeback De'Aaron Fox had 43 Mondo game Rashawn Holmes he's been quietly brilliant This year, Rashawn Holmes, number 32 in nine cat 32. We do love ourselves some Rashawn Holmes on this pod. Indiana got blown out in LA by the Clippers. Miles Turner missed this game with a hand injury. Boy, we didn't talk about the fact that Karis Levert, the, the, uh, I think we did the Friday show before it came out that he didn't pass his physical there was an additional second round pick that got thrown into the mix, and then later we found out the reason he didn't pass his physical was because they found a mass on his kidney, which is a pretty unusual thing to turn up in an NBA physical. I mean, this is, listen, I don't know what's going to come of all of this, but from a practical standpoint, from a non-basketball standpoint, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of a crazy blessing that he got traded. Would they have found this otherwise? I don't know. So we have no idea what the treatment is going to be on all of this. We don't know, you know, what the what kind of a mass it is, frankly. They've they've given very little information, and and rightfully so, because it's none of our damn business. But if you have Karis LeVert, you're sitting on him, at least until we know more. And with no Miles Turner, there was no resistance. The Clippers shot 55%. In this ballgame, they knocked down 19 threes. They just hit everything, and the Pacers got destroyed. If they don't have their rim protection, the Pacers have been letting a lot of guys get past the front line of defense and just like, oh, okay, Miles, you clean it up. Exchanging changing so many shots and blocking so many shots that it hasn't mattered. But then you saw it in this one. You let a good team get past your front line of defense, you're done. Marcus Morris had 20. Paul George had 20. Luke Kennard had 20. Kawhi Leonards, 17, Patrick Beverly, who's been great lately, by the way. He is a must-start guy at this point. Had 11, 5, and 6 with a block and two three pointers. Nicholas Batum has been trending down with Marcus Morris back. Had 10 and 5 with a couple of three balls. I don't know that I drop him yet, though. I'm seeing a lot of people make the preemptive drop. With in situations like this, you just ride it until the wheels fall off. Because you never know. Marcus Morris might get hurt in the next ballgame. Someone else might get hurt in the next ballgame. And then you're like frantically trying to get your own guy back but you know someone else is going to get him off of waivers before you can do it anyway so don't make the pre-drop here if you have Batum just just ride it out see how this whole thing shakes itself out over the next week or two or less even if you don't have that much patience and then go from there that's 10 out of 30 we probably need to move a little quicker don't we Houston in San Antonio that was the second half of a uh rematch set and we made a whole bunch of money on that one we bet the rockets for two and a half units in the first one and the spurs for two in the second one thank you to that texas matchup we won four and a half units on those two games you knew houston was going to run out of gas in the second one took san antonio long enough to figure out how to finally bury them but they did it largely with i think like a seven or eight point gap in the fourth quarter Rudy Gay, you can probably dump at this point. I know he was fine in this ballgame, but his minutes have trended down a little bit. Lonnie Walker has not been doing enough, even as a streaming option. But th- I'm sure the question most of you want answered, not really the Houston side, because I think they're going to have Oladipo back for the next ballgame, and John Wall's still out, but he'll be back soon, and then we'll start to fantasy handicap the Rockets. For now, you just sort of play it as you see it. On the Spurs side, the story was that Jakob Purtle was markedly better than Lamarcus Aldridge in this ballgame. And I don't know that you can just go out and immediately say, oh, that, you know, the tide has turned and it's it's Purtle time. Because by the way, I assume I, I assume they do this in San Antonio, but you have to call him Purtle Power because the Ninja Turtles had turtle power. Uh Purtle played thirty minutes. That was the first time all year he's gotten above 24 minutes. And in fact it actually snapped a streak of six games in a row where he had not played 20 minutes so no I'm not racing out to make the swap here I think LaMarcus Aldridge will be better in the next one honestly it looks like Aldridge just played himself into being tired by going way too hard on the San Antonio road trip he's just out of gas right now would not be at all surprised to see him get a scheduled rest day coming up and maybe it'll be today I don't know but no, I don't think that Jakob Pertle has taken over the center position. There's a possibility that he buys himself an extra two minutes, but you're going to need a little bit more than that. He needs to get into the mid-20s to really get you there. So close, but not quite. Watch carefully. Again, nothing on Houston right now. Not diving into it until we actually see some of these guys play together. Orlando in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant at 42. James Harden. Had a near-stackhouse in his Nets debut, 32-12-14. and Nine turnovers, ever so close to the turnover quadruple-double. Four steals, a block, three three three-pointers. Turns out James Harden is still pretty good. He just needed to go to a place where he wanted to be on the court. Kyrie Irving might be back for this ballgame today. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, My real question for the Nets is whether or not Joe Harris can survive this thing. I think DeAndre Jordan will be better than this most games. Generally, he'll make his two wide-open shots. Generally, he'll get a few more rebounds. Harden was sort of going a little hot on the glass in this ballgame. I don't think that's usually going to be him. He's a pretty good rebounding shooting guard, but listen, it's going to be DeAndre most of the time. Jordan was stuck on Vooch and not doing a very good job trying to guard him because Vooch was great. The... uh. So that's the story on the Brooklyn side. I think DeAndre Jordan remains an own guy right now. you got to get him on your team because they're just, you know, you can't go Jeff Green for that long at center, even though they tried to in this ballgame. And then with Joe Harris, you know, can he get 10, 11 shots a game? Is that still going to be available to him? I'm a bit worried the answer is no, but we'll see. Because efficiency-wise, he stays well above the cut line. He's been great so far this year because – It's so hard to get a guy that shoots the three ball like that who can hit three threes a game and help you in field goal percent. That's mind-boggling. What an unbelievable luxury to have. That's the type of guy that helps you win field goal percent because you can then still compete in three balls without taking the hit. Take the hit somewhere else. Get a high-volume guy. Orlando side, Cole Anthony was the story. He's played much better in his last two ball games as he starts to get his legs underneath him, get his wind at the NBA level. As I said, since faults went down, I think Cole Anthony belongs on rosters. I don't think he's going to run as much offense as he did in this ballgame or just in general, but he's a starting point guard. He shoots the free throw far better than Alfred Payton does. (laughs) He shoots the three ball better than Alfred Payton does. So when you're like, yeah, you had that same argument about Alfred Payton, he's a starting point guard and he's a drop. Well, there's no one else in Orlando. It's Anthony or Bust. As you just saw, the Knicks have four point guards on their roster. So it's not Alfred or Bust. Is Cole Anthony a must-start guy every game? No. No. By the time you're listening to this podcast, he might be having a bad ball game on MLK Day morning. He might. But he sure looked a lot better in the last two. He's got some quicks. If he can learn how to get fouled, that would be helpful for him. I think those quicks are going to translate to a few steals. I know that you know we don't really know what his fantasy game is going to look like, but when you move that fast, and I think Orlando's going to want to try to play a little bit faster now that they don't have... Like they they don't have the firepower to win in a half court game, uh, he'll play enough to be successful. Question is, does his fantasy game translate? So that we'll have to wait and see. Charlotte and Toronto. This was also a rematch set, and uh, no big surprises here. Miles Bridges, still to me, I'm I'm not really in on him. I know he was fine in this ball game, but fine is not really what you're looking for. P.J. Washington, uh, very good. Devonte Graham. Good enough. He was very good in this ball game, but overall, good enough. Rozier, Gordon Hayward, those are the two main guys in Charlotte. And for Toronto, Norman Powell had 24 points and six three pointers. This is real signs of life. He played 28 minutes off the bench in this ball game, and that's basically the role we had envisioned when I told you guys on the pod, hey, go get Norman Powell with your, you know, 120th pick or something, because it's all upside from there. You know The other good games he had this year were basically when somebody was out or one of them came against the Kings who don't guard anybody. Let's see if this is the start of something. Is this going to be a stretch now where he can play 25 to 28 minutes a ball game, start to hit a few shots, get to the free throw line? He's a great foul shooter. That's part of his positive value. But he's still, even after this good ball game, he's still only shooting 38.5% from the field. He was at 50, roughly, last year. And that's part of what we were banking on, was him being a positive impact field goal percent guy, as opposed to right now, he's a huge negative. If all you did was move his 38% field goal to 50, he moves inside the top 100. Because along with it, his scoring and threes both trend up as well. You're talking about another three points a game, basically. And another, I don't know, quarter of a three-pointer? of a three-pointer? Whatever it is, about a quarter. No, I guess about a third. Oh, boy. Might be even more than that. So, you know, I would advocate a Norman Powell pickup to see if this is the start of something because he's done it before. You could make the argument that maybe last year was the aberration because prior to that, he'd really been more of a 45% shooter becoming, you know, before leaping to 49 and have a half percent last season he was about 48 the year before that but it was much lower volume but he was only at 11 and a half shots per game last year so the nine and change he's at this season isn't actually all that far off it's the field goal percent that's way off and it's not the three ball he's actually shooting the three ball well he's at 42 percent from downtown he's at like 36 percent from two Dude couldn't hit a, a layup to save his life right now. So there's a lot of reasons to think Norman Powell is on the cusp of getting this thing turned around, and you're not going to want to miss that one if it clicks, because that's top 60 upside if it lands. I know, I know, there's still you know a good 50% chance it doesn't or higher, but he's a you-won't-want-to-miss-it-if-it-works kind of guy. Detroit blew out Miami. That was somewhat unexpected because Miami got Bam out of back, and he had a big ball game, but they didn't bother to guard the Pistons in this one. Oops, got to play some defense. Jeremy Grant, 24 points, nine cash stats. Oh, my good Lord, has he been good this year. Jeremy Grant is number 21. By the way, shout out Aaron Bruski. Gave that out as his main sleeper on this podcast two weeks before the season started. So on behalf of Brew, I say you're welcome, because that's the one he gave out for free when the B-150. Derrick Rose had a big ball game here, but I doubt he can get you 23 points and four steals and three three three-pointers in 21 minutes. He doesn't shoot the three ball very much. He doesn't get steals very much. All of this game screamed not able to replicate. The thing I actually liked more in this ball game was DeLon Wright still logging 26 minutes and posting 8, 4, and 10 with two threes and a block. He's starting to look a little bit more like that nine cat guy, although he could disappear tomorrow. He could. I'm less excited about Delon Wright than I am about potentially Norman Powell, but I'm looking at both of those guys over Derrick Rose, who I know had the better ball game, but the lower minutes, the things he did that he doesn't normally do—that's the stuff that you, you try to just throw out. I got some Kelly Olynyk drop questions after one bad ball game. No, you no no no. No. Stop. Stop. He's still inside the top 90, even after this horrific basketball game. So, no. No. Duncan Robinson started to pick it up a little bit, so that's good. He'd been uh, not shooting the ball all that well so far this year, but now he's inside the top 90, as his field goal percent has trended up to 45.5, thanks to a few warm shooting games. That'll do it for you. Also, made five out of five free throws. For some reason, his free throw shooting was at like 77%. So the magic of small sample sizes was squeezing D-Rob, and now he's doing fine. Phoenix, without Joel Embiid, lost in Memphis. John Morant made his return at 17-6 in 30 rusty minutes, but it certainly did inspire the Grizzlies. Uh, And they'll need some inspiration because Jonas Valanciunas is into the protocols now for the second time... First one ended up being a false positive, I think, of a family member or somebody was living with. I don't know what the hell's going on with this one, but JV's out. So uh, you're probably going to see more Brandon Clark at center. Some Gorgie Jang, some Xavier Tillman. He's a bulky fellow. I don't know that I would make any obvious stream choices this week. That seems like you're asking for trouble. If you see something you like in Memphis's next ballgame without JV and you want to ride it for two or three days, that's fine. But please don't drop anyone with rest-of-season potential. Your Dwight Howard weekend stream-fest. Uh, well, I guess it's two games, right? Dwight's going to be... What did I forget here? Philly and Oklahoma City at some point. When the hell is that ballgame? Did that ballgame get canceled? Ah, yes, that ballgame got canceled. Forgot about that one. Uh, So that one got wiped off the map. Uh, That was going to be the Dwight Howard stream weekend game, and I just completely ignored that that ballgame disappeared. But it seems like, upon closer inspection, the reason that ballgame got canceled was actually related to the Sixers playing against the Grizzlies the night before. So this might actually be Jonas Valanchunas-related, and it makes me think we might not see Suns Grizzlies here later today, but... I guess we'll wait and find out on that one because it sounds like it's contract tracing from what I was reading, at least related to their game the day before because the Sixers just finally got a bunch of their guys back. That's not great. Let's hope that whatever's going on here, they're able to sort of nip it in the bud. Poor sons. All they want to do is get back out in the court. And, and if there really is something going on with the Grizzlies, then they and the Sixers are probably both about to get shut down. But uh, we'll wait and see. Won't make any predictions on that until something else goes down. Atlanta had a big lead, lost it in Portland. Blazers lost C.J. McCollum to a sprained foot. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks with that one. I don't know many more injuries that team can deal with, although this, for as horrible as he's shooting, Robert Covington one out of 13 in this ballgame. He's in line for a host of opportunity now, sliding up to play more big-man minutes with Nurk out long-term. Now McCollum down, so he's going to get more looks. Covington getting 13 shots was everything you'd hope for if he could make any of them. Three points, 10 boards, three assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. Just wait, this is the start of it by Rob Covington this second because he's about to go on a furious run, if he could ever warm up a little bit, and it's going to be crazy. Ennis Cantor had seven defensive stats in this ballgame. He might not have seven defensive stats over his next seven games combined. So enjoy that. But he still does remain a must-own guy here with Nurk out. He can put up top 100 value in about 23 minutes per ballgame, and I think he'll clear that mark. So you're looking at top 100 with probably top 75 upside for Ennis. Dame is going to have to do a lot. I'm not picking up Derrick Jones Jr. I know that he's going to play enough to get defensive stats. I think what I'm going to do here on the Blazers' side is watch very closely Gary Trent Jr. and Derrick Jones Jr. It's possible that both of those guys end up hitting fantasy value, possibly one, possibly none. I would venture to say it's probably easier for Gary Trent because he does have a feathery stroke from downtown, but with Derrick Jones, you're getting rebounds, Steals, blocks, usually field goal percent. And you just kind of have to hope he doesn't take too many free throws because he's not very good there. He can shoot the three ball a tiny bit, not well. uh, But Portland is an interesting one because with McCollum now out for a couple of weeks, I would say that Spurs-Blazers game today is one you're almost definitely going to watch, see how the Blazers are going to split up some of their minutes. On the Hawks' side, Clint Capella, he's, he's coming. He's starting to look healthy finally. He's now number 81 in 9-cat after this big ball game, and it's just getting better. Every week it's getting better. He was like 160 when he came back, and then 120, and now 80, and he's just storming up the board. But unfortunately, there weren't that many other great stories. Trey Young continues to look terrible, 26 points on 23 shots. John Collins 8-6. and What's going on in Atlanta, man? Can Danilo Gallinari fix the Atlanta Hawks? That's the question. Tongue in cheek. They got to get their act together out there. Or they don't. I mean, it was one of my under wagers this year, so maybe they don't want to. Who played on Friday that didn't play over the weekend? The Milwaukee Bucks played on Friday and didn't play over the weekend. And the only reason we're watching them is to see if Bobby Portis can keep it going. Somehow he grabbed 13 rebounds in only 17 minutes of their win over Dallas. At some point, this thing's going to pop at the seams with Portis because you just can't. He's never had the fantasy profile to be good enough in 21, 22 minutes of ballgame. So at some point here, it's going to come loose. Giannis went 1 for 10 at the free throw line in this game. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Cavaliers got themselves a nice little revenge win over the Knicks. Larry Nance Jr. got a lot of should I drop or trade or bench Larry Nance. I think he's still going to do plenty. They're going to find a way to shoehorn him in there, even with Jared Allen around. Same deal with Andre Drummond. It's just going to be a very big team. What are they going to do when Kevin Love comes back? That's the question. I don't know how they're going to fit all the pieces together at that point, but right now they can do it. JaVale McGee will lose his 13 minutes. He's probably going to get some DNPs here going forward. Larry Nance is not going to play 44 minutes most ball games, but they clearly really wanted this one. And Drummond's not going to play 39 or 40 either. So, slice off 10 from each of those guys if you want. Take away McGee's 13, and you've got 33 minutes to play with. Give them all to Jared Allen? Probably not. But I could see him getting 25-26 right out of the shoot. Basically... You're going to have to play Allen and Drummond together at some point. Otherwise, each guy's stuck on 24. But it only takes two minutes of a Twin Tower thing going on where Allen would probably be guarding a four to get Jared up to a, a high enough point. But it'll be close to that. Like You, you can't do much together with those guys because at least with Larry Nance, you can spread the floor a little bit. With Kevin Love, you can spread the floor a lot a bit. When the hell are the rest of these guys going to come back? Colin Sexton was a late scratch twice last week, and then he was an early scratch. And Darius Garland, apparently, I don't know, man. Cavs, the pre-tank. I'm reminded of the pre-tank. When they just, all their guys magically got hurt at the same time, early in the season, they could just rack up some losses. And then they could turn them loose late in the year, and everybody was like, look, the Cavs aren't tanking. Yeah, because they already did. Oklahoma City played on Friday, had their game today canceled. Shea is coming. He is uh, looking good these days. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander up to number 45 on the board and climbing. Lou Dort! Lou Dort storming back now at number 110 after a huge game on Friday. I wouldn't expect that. A repeat performance of six steals a block and four three-pointers. That's That might be his best game of the year. I still think he should be on fantasy teams because you can see with all the hot and cold he levels out just outside the top 100, but... Don't expect this to be repeated. I think Darius Baisley should also remain held. We've talked a lot about how his percentages are going to hurt you. I also think George Hill should be held. I know this is a bad ballgame for him, but he's been hovering between you know 75 and 110 most of the season so far, and he remains relatively useful in nine-category formats. I get it if you want to move on, but he would play 33 minutes in this game of overtime, but that would have been about 28 in regulation. Generally, that's more than enough for him. I mean, 28 minutes, if we, if we came into the season, I was like, George Hill's going to play 26, 27 minutes a game. You'd be like, oh, hell yeah. He's at 26 right now, and he's, he's like an assist away from being a useful fantasy player. I would, I would stick with it. And Hamadou Diallo trending back down. This is what we talked about with, with Hamadou. If you're only going to get 21 bench minutes, you, you just, there's no margin for error at all. And there was error. So, you know, margin exceeded. Lakers played on Friday. They didn't go over the weekend. Uh, Or did they? No, I think it was the Lakers' last game. I don't think they played over the weekend. Even if they did, they're just breaking teams right now. They're literally crushing opponents. They threw Houston into turmoil. They got New Orleans tweeting about how morale is low. They're just cooking people. AD racking up defensive stats like crazy. The whole team, all of a sudden, now that they're playing defense, they're just like, they're, they're dunking on people. Forcing turnovers. Look out, LA's mad these days. I went over my my damn 38, 37-minute threshold, and we didn't even get to the stinking Monday preview. Come on, Dan, get it together. So that was the weekend. Turn the attention to Monday now. As I said, we're not doing any ads on today's podcast, so we're just rolling right on through. Orlando in New York. First game of the morning. Should be good and weird. Morning games is a noon start time, actually, in New York. But effectively for the team, this is a morning game because they're probably going to have to get to arena the arena by about 10 a.m. Eastern time, if I had to guess. For New York, this might actually be an advantage because they did it in Boston at about the same time the day before. So they're sort of a tuned... To this alarm clock, normally I would bet the under in the first game of the morning because things tend to be sleepy. Teams are not running. They're missing shots. They're tired. I would still look at the under in this ballgame. Fantasy-wise, watch Peyton. Watch quickly on the New York side. Watch Noel. See if Mitchell Robinson's healthy. For Orlando, you're watching Cole Anthony. Minnesota at Atlanta. Hawks laying eight. Minnesota without Rubio and Cat. You could not pay me enough to bet this ballgame game with Minnesota missing a bunch of guys. They were awful the last time Cat was out. Atlanta really needs a win, and against the Minnesota defense, that might just be the time to kind of get fat for Atlanta. Fantasy-wise, I don't really care about the Minnesota side. It's going to be a whole bunch of fill-in stuff with them. With the Hawks, would love to just see Trey Young and John Collins coexist for a damn game. See who's healthy enough to go in this one. Is Cam Reddish going to play? Dandre hunter has been pretty good. Detroit-Miami rematch. Detroit just blew out Miami by 20. I don't believe the Heat are getting Jimmy Butler back. It sounds like Tyler Hero might miss this game with a neck issue, so that's fun. Detroit, you're watching DeLon Wright. I guess you can watch Derrick Rose if you really want to. I don't, but you could. Miami, missing a bunch of bodies. I don't think that you're watching too many things because there isn't a whole lot of long-term data to pull down from this ballgame. Spurs favored by one in Portland. I think this game has actually been a pick em at times. Blazers, no Nurk, no CJ. Do we get massive Dame? Or do the Spurs take the ball out of his hands and dare the rest of the Blazers to beat him? I think I would lean to San Antonio. I think they're smart enough to not... to, to tell Dame, you're not going to be the guy. And just blitz him on pick-and-roll stuff. Make Ennis Cantor... Uh, a role man and make decisions good luck with that because he can't shoot man you know baby mid-range stuff fantasy wise um yeah i mean there's there's long stream appeal with portland Nurks out for a couple of months cj for a few weeks so like i said before i think you watch this game see what guys like uh jones do trent rocco See what shakes out in Portland. Something might be interesting here for a few weeks at least. Phoenix and Memphis, if the game happens, the Suns haven't played in a week, so they should be well-rested, which I think would be good for DeAndre Ayton. Memphis, you know, Jaws working himself back into shape. Uh, When guys have to sit out for a while, and, and his was not COVID, his was an actual injury, didn't really have a chance to keep his wind up. It was a pretty bad ankle sprain. He got back quicker, I think, than people expected. I don't know, man. With this game hanging in the balance, I have no idea how you could ever, how you could really bet on it. No JV now on the Memphis side, if they actually play. But that's probably a week, maybe a week and a half max with that one as well. So, I, you know, you know me. I Streaming at this point in the season is a little bit frustrating. I would say just watch it. If someone else is like, oh, I'm going to jump on Gorgie Jang. It's, listen, you're not missing out on all that much anyway. You'll be fine. Milwaukee Brooklyn battle of the superstars this should be a fun one. I like the Bucks on the road laying just a couple of points. The Nets got away with it. I know Durant and Harden both had huge ball games against Orlando, but the fact that they let Orlando stay that close is an indictment, a big indictment of Brooklyn's defense, which is going to be disjointed and you're not going to be able to get away with that crap against the Bucks team that's I know going to take him lightly. Like, everybody's coming for the Nets right now. They've been anointed champs, and they haven't even played all three of their superstars together. If Kyrie's back, I would fade them even harder. I like the Bucks. I like the Bucs. Fantasy-wise, you know, Milwaukee, not much. Keep wanting to Bobby Portis' situation. It's set to devolve here at some point soon. Brooklyn, can Joe Harris survive? That's the thing. Dallas in Toronto. Do the Mavs get any of their guys back for this ballgame? If not... They should be pretty dang tired. Toronto, is it Norman Powell time finally? Chris Boucher has been amazing, by the way. Houston in Chicago, no John Wall, yes to Victor Oladipo. From what we're told right now, it sounds like Boogie is back. We don't have an update on Eric Gordon's status yet here on Sunday night. Uh, In Chicago, Bulls coming off a nice win over the Mavericks. I kind of like the Bulls in this one, although my plan here with Houston from a batting standpoint is to fade them once they get all their pieces together because that's when it's going to be super confusing as to who's the lead dog, who's running the offense, that kind of stuff. If everybody's out except for Oladipo, then it's very clearly going to be Victor and Christian Wood, and maybe that actually makes things a little easier for Houston. And then the Warriors are in L.A. to take on the Lakers Lakers favored by nine. Oh, by the way, fantasy-wise with Houston, don't worry about it until they get all their guys back with Chicago. You can kind of watch the fringe, guys. I, like, I would like to see Otto Porter's minutes trend up, but this is the second half of back-to-back, so don't be deterred if they don't. And then finally, Warriors and Lakers. Lakers are just steamrolling everyone right now. They're laying nine. I can't touch that game from a betting standpoint. And fantasy-wise, I don't think there's anything. No fantasy. None. Nothing. Okay, I went over the mark. I'm cutting quickly here to the chase. Again, hit me up if you're interested in the sales position. Again, you've got to be able to hit those phones during Pacific time call hours uh, like crazy. If that's something you love to do, maybe, again, you're working odd hours that leaves your daytime open. I realize this is a niche recruiting pitch, but that's what we're working with this week. This is sales week on Fantasy NBA Today. Please, folks, if you've been enjoying the pod, take. 90 seconds, drop a five-star review on it over on iTunes or the podcast app on your mobile device or whatever service you're using. If they let you rate it, I will be appreciative forever. And also, please do hit the subscribe button. That makes a big, uh, pretty big difference in downloads and in uh, where the show turns up on various leaderboards as well. So thank you guys for listening. As always, this is your Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers at... Dan Bespers on Twitter. We'll talk to you Tuesday when we won't be in such a rush. That'll be nice. Take a deep breath, everybody. Let the day begin. This has been a HoopBall presentation.